Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and before we get into today's episode, this podcast is brought to you always by our friends at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs for first-to-market odds and lines. Whether you want to place a bet on the NFL, the upcoming bowl season of college football and the college football playoff, the NHL, the NBA, Whatever may tickle your fancy in the betting world, you can find at Bet Online. So head over and use your mobile device to get 50% off your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50. Again, to get 50% off your first welcome deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so let's jump into today's episode with no game this Sunday for the Washington Commanders. It is a bye week. In Washington. This is going to be a different episode. I wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit for you guys. I wanted to focus today on the NFL draft, which is in April, but sooner it's, you know, it's rapidly coming up. You know, we got the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Bowl, the Combine, Pro Days. That's right around the corner here. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, it's for some teams, uh, you know, we're focusing on Washington obviously playing playoff ball here in the next few weeks. But I want to focus and introduce you guys to a couple of players that I have my eyes on right now. If Washington were to select the 18th overall pick is where they stand right now. Kind of that range that they've been in over the last two years or so. So I'm take... Jahan Dotson last year and Jamin Davis in that middle portions of the first round. So we look back at Washington this year and where their lapses have been on offense and defense. Obviously, there's still concerns with the offensive line. They brought in Andrew Norwell to play opposite of the spot that Brandon Sheriff left in one of that veteran spots, right? Charles Leno's at left tackle. Chase Roulier has been dealing with injuries for a while now. He's one of the top centers in football, but can't stay on the football field. They drafted Sam Cosme out of Texas last year on day two to play that right tackle spot. He has been unable to stay healthy in two years when he's been on the field. It's been good. It's been really good. We saw him play right guard last week against the Giants at center. It's been Tyler Larson stepping in for Chase. He's got a dislocated kneecap that's expected to miss time. Who knows who plays center this week? Is it Nick Martin? I sure hope not. Is it Wes Schweitzer? The days of Sadiq Charles, who they initially drafted out of LSU to play left tackle to replace Trent Williams years ago when Trent went to San Francisco. That's Washington's fell on their face in that aspect. So there are holes on this Washington roster where I want to talk about corner. I want to talk about the linebacking position. Three positions that I want to focus on. I know some of you out there are interested potentially in the tight end spot as far as what they do with Logan Thomas. And are they set with with John Bates and Cole Turner? Do they really like Armani Rodgers as a potential guy down the road that they think that can progress into a high-level talent? I'm not sure. You know, you talk with people around the industry and myself and from what I'm hearing out of Ashburn, don't be surprised if 
know, another tight end they may take in this draft class considering the depth on day two and day three in this class. Guys like Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. There's a lot of talent in this tight end class. Cade Stover from Ohio State is more of a guy like Daniel Bellinger that the Giants have. We saw a little bit last week, a guy that can block his tail off and provide you a little bit more of that di- dynamic ability down the field in the passing game. Sam Laporta, a tight end from Iowa. Davis Allen, tight end from Clemson that will be down at the Senior Bowl. A lot of names to become familiar with. But linebacker, corner, and offensive line is where my focus is. Sam Howell they drafted last year out of North Carolina on day three as to back up Taylor Heineke. I don't expect them to move forward in the next year with Carson Wentz. I think it will be Heineke and Howell in the building. Who starts for Washington next year remains to be seen. This is, a, again, another stretch where Heineke can prove himself. Again, if he continues to win ball games, this is his job. This is his job considering the limitations that he has. But Sam Howell, they like Sam Howell in that building. I don't think Washington is going to spend their first-round pick on an Anthony Richardson or try to reach on a quarterback in that middle portions of the first round. And I don't think Anthony Richardson will be on the board when Washington arrives to pick in that 15 to 22 range come April. But I want to start with corners because you look at Washington's depth chart right now. It's Kendall Fuller and it's Benjamin St. Just as your two starting outside corners. With Benjamin St. Just healthy. Obviously, we saw Washington and the William Jackson experiment fall apart in front of their face, right? William Jackson is now in Pittsburgh and traded for him at the deadline for basically a bag of gummy bears, right? You didn't get much back for him. But Washington needs pop at the corner spot. And moving forward, I think Kendall Fuller's done a nice job this year on the outside, being moved outside from his first stint in Washington where he played the nickel. But I need I need a legit CB1 or CB1A to Benjamin St. Just on the opposite side. Because I really like what St. Just offers. You look back to his days at Minnesota, 6'3 corner, 33-inch arms, the ability to play man, the ability to work downhill in zone and make plays in the football, work through the catch point of receivers using those long appendages that he has, that pterodactyl-like length on the outside. He's extremely long. And when you look at this draft class and who Washington could potentially target, my eyes turn to another Penn State kid And that's Joey Porter Jr. If that name sounds familiar, he is the son of the longtime Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker, Joey Porter. He, Joey, the younger Joey that is now at Penn State, has become one of the top corners in college football. His length is outstanding. He's one of the longest corners to enter the the draft process in five or so years. He's extremely long. He'll have 33 plus inch arms and near seven foot wingspan. Extremely long on the outside. And then you add in his ability for his footwork, his mirroring ability, his physicality on the outside, not afraid to come up near the line of scrimmage and make plays in the run game. He's an alpha on the outside. And when I think in my mind, if they do want to return Kendall Fuller neck back moving down the line, not just next year, but two, three years down the road, as he becomes an even more of an aging veteran, and they want to slide him into nickel because, again, this year we've seen Rashad Wild Goose. We've seen Tariq Castro-Fields. We've seen Danny Johnson. We've seen this rotation of guys in the corners room for Washington. Christian Holmes, rookie out of Oklahoma State, seventh rounder, has started the last two weeks. He was extremely rough against the Giants. But getting a day one guy 
like Joey Porter in the building to play opposite of St. Just is really intriguing to me because you look around the division and who the guys that they're going to have to continue to guard years down the road. I look in New York first off and Brian Dayball and Joe Shane, the new GM in, in New York, they're going to continue to add talent for the Giants. They're going to make a switch at quarterback here, probably moving into next year. They're going to need to build talent around him. They got Saquon Barkley, but the Kenny Galladay experiment hasn't been great. The, they traded Kadarius Tony. They drafted Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky this year. He's going to be a key piece for them moving forward. Sterling Shepard is a key piece, but he's been out. He got injured again this year. He's been dealing with injury concerns a lot during his career out of Oklahoma years ago. You look in Dallas and the receivers that they have, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. You know, these are the names. Eagles, obviously, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal, Dallas Goddard as a tight end that they love to target. Miles Sanders out of the backfield. Kenny Gainwell in Philly. Tony Pollard in Dallas. Guys that create outside of the backfield. These are all guys as a corners room that you have to account for. And for Joey Porter out of Penn State, for me right now, he's one of the top two corners on my board along with another guy that I will talk to in in a second, a kid out of Oregon. He's elite and he's an alpha. And for me, I want a guy that's going to be, you know, I want a guy that can shut down almost a third of the side of the field. Now, that's asking a lot. You know, he's a guy that's going to come into the league and enjoy some speed bumps. I don't think he's going to come in right away and have a success that we've seen from Sauce Gardner, top five pick for the Jets this year. Um, but Joey Porter Jr. and the success that he's had at Penn State working in the Big Ten, obviously a power five conference against legit talents every single week. He's an alpha. And he's someone that it feels disrespected when a receiver wins a route and a rep against him. And I want those types of players in the building. And he's also a tier one athlete, can jump out of the gym. He's explosive. We know that Ron Rivera and GM Martin Mayhew love those types of guys. Guys that are explosive athletes that can make play on the outside. You look at some of the criteria that they drafted with Derek Forrest and Percy Butler and even a guy like Khalid Hudson that's kind of really hasn't really found his niche yet in Washington. These are guys that are tier one athletes at the roof of the defense that can also come down and play at the second level, but it's secondary defenders. But if I get a guy like Joey Porter Jr. on the outside, on one side, and Benjamin St. Juice on the other, I feel comfortable with not having to travel a guy. You want to put Devontae Smith on one side and you want to put him on the other side the next play? I feel comfortable with either guy if Washington were to go the Joey Porter route. That I feel good about my options on the outside. So that's Joey Porter Jr., kid out of Penn State. If Washington goes back-to-back Penn State, guys, uh, last year obviously taking Dotson and this year potentially taking Joey Porter Jr., uh, I would not be shocked. He's an exciting talent and a guy I'm really looking forward to following as we head into this pre-draft process. Next guy, Christian Gonzalez, kid out of Oregon that's really come on this year, uh, become one of the premier corners in football, guy out of the Pac-12, has all of the measurables that you look for in an outside corner, a, a CB1 um, at the NFL level, 6'2", 200 pounds, can run with anybody. His, his playmaking ability is second to none in football, and, and his ability to work downhill in zone, uh, his, just, his anticipation skills um, are fantastic. Um, and that is key when working on the outside against these pass-happy offenses in the NFL. And he looks... The part. I don't think he's going to test 
as well as a Joey Porter. Um, but this is somebody that is a fast riser uh, in the draft community and within the industry. A guy for, for the start of the season was known, but he's more of a day two, early day three guy. He may be the first corner off the board this year. He's been absolutely fantastic. Teams have limited targeting his side for obvious reasons. Um, he was a transfer from Colorado, so kind of a smaller program. Obviously, you know, not now with Colorado with Deion Sanders coming to town, making his way in from Jackson State and revitalizing that program as he moved down the road. Um, but his sister's actually professional track and field athlete, so that lineage and that athleticism, you can see it in his game. Everything in his lower half mirrors with his eyes and the ability to trigger on the football and trigger in space. And he doesn't allow guys behind him. He constantly uses his hands extremely well, both within the contact window and down the field, constantly keeping receivers inside of his frame and within vision. You're not going to see him with his numbers turned to the All-22 film and chasing guys like we've seen a lot with Kendall Fuller in the early portions, portions of this year, excuse me, and dating back into last year. He's consistently in phase with receivers, which allows him to constantly make plays on the football. So Christian Gonzalez, another name, kid out of Oregon, again, 6'2", 200 pounds, that I'm really excited about potentially in that, again, that range, that 16 to 22 range that Washington could be picking at this year. Third guy, I, I get so excited when I watch this kid play, Cam Smith out of South Carolina. Six, six foot flat, 190 pounds, soaking wet. Not the biggest guy in the world, but plenty of weight to him. He plays like he's Sean Taylor. And what I mean by that is he plays with a battery pack in his shoulder pads and wants to flat out get after you. He is a bona fide stud and a flat out football player. And the more that I watch him, the more I think about J.C. Horn, a kid that Dallas wanted to take years ago out of Carolina, but ultimately went to uh, the Carolina Panthers. This is a outstanding prospect. Um, and I can't say enough about the, the mentality that he carries on the football field. A flat-out dude that wants to disrespect receivers. You can't block them in the run game. If you're bringing a receiver on the outside, you want to try to block them, it's not going to work. You want to try to run a screen, he's going to blow it up and trigger downhill past your leading blocker. He's fantastic. Um, what I love about him the most is just his willingness to consistently be involved and be around the ball, whether he's on the right side of the formation and the ball is thrown to the left side, you're going to see him chasing down plays. It's just all over. And the thing about him, too, is it's smart. He plays intelligently on the outside. He's not grabby, I don't think, by any means, but he's constantly keeping guys, like I said with Gonzalez, in frame. Um, he's just super highly competitive, and he does a lot of good things in man, and he has a lot of good things in zone. All right, that was, those are the concerns of William Jackson talking about, oh, I'm a, I'm a man corner in Washington, plays a lot of zone. You bring Cam Smith into the building, and you have St. Toost on one side, you can do a lot of different things, whatever you want. And at the NFL level, you're not going to be drafted to one defense that says, oh, we're just going to have you run zone or just have you run man. You have to be able to play mixed coverages. And Cam Smith out of South Carolina is in, in Washington and a guy that is, has that attitude and that culture guy on the back end. You got guys right now that have some culture to them, right? They provide some pop. Cam Curl. Bobby McCain does it a little bit. Derek Forrest is that guy right now. I think Jamin Davis is even coming, to, coming into his own at the linebacker spot, playing more physical and playing with more speed. He is just, Cam Smith is extremely competitive and always wants to win his rep. He, he goes balls to the wall every rep 
to w every snap, excuse me, to win his rep. And that's a guy with the tools and the athleticism and the mirroring ability and the coverage ability and man in zone on the outside. That is a guy that I can work with. And I, you already have young talent in the building in Washington that you're going to build towards the future. You had a young guy like this that's going to just add more fire to that defense. We see the front four and how they provide the fuse for this defense with young Allen, Payne, and Sweat. You had a guy like this on the back end. He's someone that can provide that extra youth-infused ability within this defense to really you know, move them up the ladder, if you will, within NFL defenses and add an elite talent to the secondary room. So those three corners I wanted to introduce you guys to as guys that I believe could be on the board from what I've heard and scouts I've talked to within the industry and that 16 to 22 range. For some of you out there, not surprised I didn't mention Keely Ringo, corner from Georgia. I have my concerns with Keely Ringo. He was torn apart in the SEC championship game against LSU by the likes of Malik Neighbors and Jeray Jenkins for LSU. I have my concerns with Keely Ringo. Extremely fast. She's probably going to be the fastest corner at the combine. He's going to run low 4.3s, potentially high 4.2s. He can absolutely fly. But I want you guys to understand that not all athletes are good football players and linear athletes you know, aren't just, just because you're a linear athlete, meaning, you know, north-south, doesn't mean you're a good football player. I think we saw that with Troy Apke, right? Can run with anybody, but just not a good football player. Keely Ringo, I, I feel disrespectful for, Dealey, for Keely Ringo mentioning his name in the same sentence as, as Troy Apke, but I have my concerns a little bit with Keely Ringo as far as him being an elite top-tier CB1, which is what I want if I'm taking a guy in the first round. So, again, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, and Cam Smith out of South Carolina. I want to move now to the linebacker position, a position where right now it's tricky as far as what Washington wants. Cole Holcomb's out for the year, but when he's been on the field, obviously he's played some Mike, he's played some outside linebacker. Jamin Davis is, has played primarily on the outside fringes of the tackle. He, now, he's been making plays in those A's, A and B gaps, but he's been more comfortable working in coverage this year, which I like to see from Jamin Davis. But I don't know right now what Washington wants to do at the linebacker spot. Do they want another athlete on, in the middle of the field? Do they want a big, bulking middle linebacker like a Noah Sewell? Or they want to try to target a Henry Toa Toa from Alabama? I like Toa Toa better than Noah Sewell. But if they want another supreme athlete that can roam sideline to sideline and be as good in the run game as he is in coverage, you know, I'm looking at a guy, two guys I want to introduce you to. First one is Trenton Simpson, linebacker from Clemson, a really a do-it-all guy. I don't want you guys to think back to the days of Isaiah Simmons, a guy that was taken in the first round from the Arizona Cardinals years ago. Trenton Simpson can do it all and do it well. And really where he stands out, a lot like with Micah Parsons out of Penn State, was he can rush the passer. And that's that adds a dynamic considering the front four that Washington already has. If you add another guy that not just doesn't put his ears back and just sprint through a gap, he understands the optics and has a, uh, a pass rush approach when lining up on the line of scrimmage, he can do a lot of things. And if you want to play him, Holcomb, and Davis together, you can. We've seen this year with the injuries that Washington has faced, it's been a rotation. We've seen David Mayo. We've seen John Bostic as that big, that bigger middle linebacker. We've seen Derek Forrest come down in the box. Now, the credit to Derek Forrest and, and Cam Curl as well that have played a lot in the box. That's that Buffalo nickel spot where they've done an excellent job this year stepping in for Landon Collins, who played that spot over the last few years, they've done 
they played outstanding football together. So when you think about it from a wide lens, right? If you got right now, it's it's Davis, Bostic, and Forrest kind of roaming down that second level, playing that middle of the field safety, playing that robber spot. If you get a guy like Trenton Simpson that is built like a safety almost at 230, a bigger safety that can do everything for you. I mean, you watch him at Clemson, he's roaming out to the, the flat areas of the defense making plays. I mentioned his ability to blitz. He's he's consistently good in finding his landmarks and coverage. And what I mean by that is he's, he's focused on a tight end. He's covering that tight end 20 yards downfield if he has to. If he's passing the guy off in zone, he's communicating that to the backside safety. He's communicating it to the linebacker that's next to him or the outside corner. Very, very communicative and a leader within that Clemson defense. We will see him at a, with a good test in the Orange Bowl coming up against Tennessee. Now, Tennessee won't have Hendon Hooker, quarterback, but they will face Joe Milton and the Jalen Hyatts and the Cedric Tillmans, the receivers of the world for that Volunteers offense. Another good test for Trenton Simpson if he does play in that bowl game. We will see. But this is a, a very, very exciting talent, a modern-day talent with a guy that really does it all and a three-down linebacker that can stay on the field for all the all first, second, and third down and can do every a little bit of everything for you and do it well. So that's Trenton Simpson from Clemson. Another guy, a little bit of a sleeper name right now, probably a guy that you haven't heard of. His name is Dayon Henley, guy from Washington State, 6'2", 232. Man, I'm excited to watch Dayon Henley throughout this pre-draft process and how he tests uh, just an extremely physical and aggressive linebacker and does a lot of the things that Trenton Simpson does well, and he's even better in coverage than Trenton Simpson. So if Washington wants to go the route where they want a guy at that second level that they could take on day two, right, with that second round pick, Washington sits right now at the second round pick at, at pick 49, and then they don't have a third rounder this year. You know, they don't come back on the board until the fourth round. They have two fourth rounders with the 97th overall pick and the 119th overall pick. So Washington right now with the day one and the day two pick, um, they're going to have to really be useful with those picks and use that draft capital to their advantage, or unless maybe they trade back or, or hey, heck, maybe they really like a guy and they, and they trade up. But with no third round pick this year, that first round pick, that second round pick, they're going to have to hit on guys. We didn't see Fedarian Mathis at all this year. We won't see him after injury uh, earlier this year in, in week one. So that's a, that's you know someone that we're looking forward to getting back next year as a second rounder. Interior D lineman out of Alabama. Another force along that front four. It's going to be extremely exciting to watch him next year. But Dayon Henley out of Washington State has been everything for that Cougars defense. He is the core, the lungs, the nucleus of that D and a guy that's quickly rising within the industry and can do everything well, especially in coverage. And you need those types of athletes at the second level that can not just cover running backs out of the backfield and tight ends over the middle of the field. If you have to buzz him out on a receiver, you can, because he can run. He's, he's fantastic. He's made play on the footballs. He's got an interception this year. He's got three forced fumbles. He's got four sacks. He's got over 50 tackles. He was actually a high school quarterback, so he's got that ability to understand kind of what offensive concepts look like from the opposite side of the ball. He just does a lot of things well and makes him so interesting as a prospect. So that's that's Dayon Henley. The offensive line perspective, I, I don't want to go too deep into specific players because right now, I mean, Washington could go a variety of routes. I mean, you look at tackle, Charles Leno's aging, Cornelius Lucas, is he a stopgap option? Or is he a legitimate option at tackle? Do you still want to play Sam Cosme at guard because he's one of your best front five? Or do you want to keep him at tackle? And that opens up the guard spots. Are you fine with Wes Schweitzer 
You expect Chase Roulier, obviously, to come back fully healthy. Are the injury concerns really prevalent inside that building than, than what's been kind of you know, uh, dispersed out? You know, he is someone that they consistently need healthy at center. Left guard Andrew Norwell, I think, done a nice job, but you know, he's a veteran in this league. Trey Turner, they brought over from the Steelers at right guard. Still young. He's got a handful of Pro Bowls under his belt, but hasn't been able to stay healthy. It's been a rotation of guys along the front five. So really, Washington could go a variety of options on that front five, whether it's a guy they want to target a Paris Johnson from Ohio State tackle. They want to say they want to target Peter Skaronsky, a tackle that's going to move to guard because he's got 32-inch arms. He's not going to play tackle at the NFL level. He will slide into guard at the NFL level on Sundays. You know, he's a guy that's going to play guard at the NFL level. Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. John Michael Schmitz is a center out of Minnesota, arguably the top center in this class. Alex Forsyth as you move on to day two. Now, these are day two guys with Schmitz and Forsyth, a center out of Oregon. Andrew Voorhees, kind of that alignment versatile guy along the front five. Kid out of the USC. So all these names, Andrew Rame out of Oklahoma, center guard, you know, primarily a center. It's just, this is, there's a lot of names to talk about when it comes to tackles, guards, and centers with Washington, because I just don't know that you could really draft either position up front. And and I really wouldn't be surprised because remember just a few years ago, Washington drafted Keith Ishmael on day three from San Diego state was expected to be Chase Roulier's backup and a high level backup. They felt they fell on their face in that aspect. You drafted Chris Paul on day three this year. Kid out of Tulsa hasn't been activated on uh, any week this year. He may be activated on Sunday Night Football against the Giants coming here next week because it's the bodies that just, they're just running out of bodies along the front five. And as you continue to shuffle guys, Tyler Larson dislocated his kneecap, so you may see Nick Martin this week. So this is they need some fresh bodies, and whoever's under center, whether it's Heineke, whether it's Sam Howell, whether it's an unknown name. You know, you know, you guys understand the carousel quarterbacks, how it works in DC. They're going to need some fresh bodies potentially up five in the front five as we move forward into this draft process and even in free agency or trades that this team may make. They got to get some guys that can stay healthy along the front five. Charles Leno has, Andrew Norwell has, but at center, right guard, and right tackle, it's been a mishmash and a smorgasbord of bodies that have been rotated in and out that Washington is going to have to get nailed down because chemistry and rapport matters along the front five. So that's a few guys that I just want to kind of introduce you to at the corner linebackers and offensive line spots. We will get into all those guys at a deeper aspect and a deeper dive, really bring the lens in on these players as we move forward into you know the months of February and March, and then obviously the draft in late April in Kansas City this year. So that's going to do it for this episode. I, I hope you guys enjoyed. I won't have a podcast out for you guys until next Thursday as we preview the Giants again, kind of talk about some things that Washington can work on, improve upon, do some different things defensively that I would like to see, especially getting those RPOs against Daniel Jones in the run game and limiting Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins on the outside. And of course, trying to stop as much as you can Saquon Barkley and his legs from get going, even though I thought they did a, a decent job in that first matchup last week. So again, that's going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. I'll have a podcast out for you, not Monday, but next Thursday, previewing, previewing, excuse me, the New York Giants. Um, if you enjoyed, please leave a like, review, share, subscribe. I'm on Twitter. If you don't follow me already, underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work, more audio, video content is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. Enjoy your weekend, the rest of your week. And enjoy Sunday with some some big games going on. Obviously, we got the Eagles and Giants 
this week. You know, I'm not going to say it out loud, but root for the Eagles this week. It would be a big loss if, if the Eagles can beat the Giants and force them to 7-5-1, and one, the same record as Washington, because right now Washington is the 8th seed. Right? Seattle, with Seattle's win, they are now the 7th seed in the NFC, so it's going to be a three-man race for that 6-7 and, and you know, the outside looking in at that 8th seed in the NFC this year. So a big matchup for the Eagles and Giants this week. Dallas will be in Houston. So as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Always appreciate your time. I will talk to you next Thursday. I am Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.